And welcome everybody to lucky episode number 13 of the NLF Insider Podcast. I'm Matt Shandick. I will be joined by our esteemed producer and sometimes co-host Mike Flanagan. Michael, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me back as your handy dandy co-host. Um, well, the other guy just doesn't show up, so. Yeah, I mean, we got someone's got to do his job, you know. Absolutely. Um we are going to go actually straight into our interviews. We've got two interviews with two of the top prospects in the 2024 class. We are joined uh, on this week's episode by number 25, Isaac Cruz, uh, a midfielder slash attackman from St. Joe's in New Jersey and primetime, and a recent commit to the United States Naval Academy. And then we're also joined by your boy. I mean, listening to this podcast, I just thought there was it was you with like the heart emoji, heart eyes emoji over your face the entire time. But we're joined by number 15, 2024, Jimmy Kenny, the very talented lefty LSM from Needham and Massachusetts. So great to kind of get uh, some of these guys' feedback, and let's roll right into it. And we're very excited to be joined tonight on the NLF Insider Podcast by the number 25 player in the class of 2024, uh, midfielder attackman from St. Joe's in New Jersey in primetime, and a recent commit to the United States Naval Academy, Isaac Cruz. Isaac, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. We're excited to have you on here, man. Um, well, first of all, the first real impression you left on, on the NLF was, uh, was this past fall when you, it was cold in Baltimore and you were embracing the full no-sleeves-November approach to it. Uh, take me through that. You, have you just always embraced being part of the sleeveless gang or what? Definitely. Uh, this summer, I was without my shirt for quite a few games, so... Well, that makes more sense, though. But like, how about how about in the fall? You just you just kind of go with it because it works for you, or what? Uh, actually, our teammate at there, they would give like ten bucks to whoever took their shirt off, and I did it, and no one paid. So, but oh, that's tough. Primetime guys, you guys got to pay up, boys. That's that's <laughs> really cold, especially now that you're committed to to Navy. Like, that's just kind of disrespectful to the troops if you think about it. So, primetime guys, pay up, or else Daniello is going to come after you and, and charge you some more for next year. So, figure it out. Um, but speaking of Navy, you know, I, I know it's a very exciting time for you and you recently committed, um, which is awesome, but I'm just kind of curious, like what, what goes into that process for you? Um, you know, what made you decide to kind of end it, you know, relatively quickly in the first month of recruiting for those guys and, um, you know, what, what kind of led to that? Well, I got a lot of call from the different service academies and I was like really honored and, um, going to Navy, I've always like wanted to go to a service academy my father served in the coast guard my grandfather served in the navy my great-grandfather's oh. marines and so did my uncle so it like kind of runs in our family and i grew up hearing like stories about their experiences and the places they went to and it sounded great to me and i really wanted that to be part of my life is there one story that's always kind of stuck with you maybe more than others uh probably my dad catching a hammerhead off the coast of hawaii they caught him on a hand line it was like him and six other guys that threw like a chunk of meat in the water and just like fought it for like a couple hours until they managed to get on board. Yeah, that's, uh, that qualifies, I would say. <laughs> um, but, you know, you mentioned you, you got some, some calls from the service academies and, you know, player of your caliber. I'm sure everybody's interested. 
Um, what kind of set Navy apart from uh, from Army and Air Force? So I'm sure we're we're both interested in you as well. Um, they were very interested in me, and I I met with the uh, Army. I went on a visit. Their coaches are amazing. I had a really good time there. They have an amazing facility. But when I went to visit Navy, I was just like taken aback for a moment because it's beautiful down there in Annapolis, and the campus was gorgeous. It's right on the water. And I've always like loved the ocean. I love fishing. Um, like my hobby, I love going to the ocean. It's just really fun for me. And it was beautiful there. So I met the coaches. They were great guys. They were very welcoming. I felt very comfortable around them. They brought a lot of energy and they just made me feel at home. So. I mean, with, with your family's kind of experience in the military, I mean, obviously it's been ingrained in you a little bit, but um, was, were you always kind of leaning towards Navy or was it just kind of, you know, when, when that all started, you just decided I'm going to take a look at, you know, everybody type thing. And it just so happened to be Navy. I definitely wanted to keep my options open to all the service academies and all the other great schools that were, or hopefully would be interested, but um, Navy was just the place. And I, I was like definitely leaning towards the service academies. And once I like met the coaches from Navy, I was, I knew I had, that was my going to be our choice. Yeah. One of the things I'm really curious about, and I think it's awesome that, you know, you, you committed to Navy and, um, but I'm always curious with players of your caliber who are going to be, you know, in such high demand when all the other schools are allowed to recruit as well on September one, um, was it a tough decision to kind of shut it down right away? Or, you know, I, I don't know, like, you know, if you grew up kind of rooting for anybody in, in particular, but I know talking to some coaches, there were a lot of heartbroken college coaches that, that you, uh, we're off the board to Navy and, and a lot of uh, a lot of schools won't recruit committed kids at the academies, which I think is awesome. Um, so how difficult was it to to kind of, you know, shut it down? Did, did you think, all right, like, do I wait and see what happens on September 1? Or did you just kind of know right away, like on that visit, hey, this is the place for me and it doesn't really matter what else pops up? Uh, prior to my visit, I wanted to like wait till September 1st because I really wanted to keep my options open, like I said. But when I got to Navy, uh, I knew that I didn't need to wait till September anymore. So what makes it, what makes it so special? Every, every person I hear that, that visits Navy has such great things to say about it. Like what kind of sets it up? I know you said it's on the water and you know, it's a cool place, but like, is it, was there a certain vibe that you got? Were you just kind of taken away by the atmosphere or what? It was definitely both of those. The vibe I got was great. Uh, I, I was like super comfortable the entire time. I was relaxed. I was really enjoying myself. So that was why I kind of like picked it. Switching gears a little bit, how did you kind of feel about how you played this summer? I know you played in a ton of events, a ton of high-quality events, um, you know, capped it off with, with NLF and then NAL. Um, how did you kind of feel you played? You know, take me through your whole summer. Um, well, I, I think I played good this summer. Um, I think our team was really connecting during some of the tournaments. We, are, we played really great at the um, NAL one. We made a bit for the championship. We fell a little bit short in overtime, but – it's all right. It was a great experience for us. The rest of the summer was going really well. Um, our team really just clicked and we, our offense figured it out and we started scoring a lot more. Yeah. And primetime always does such a great job of, of playing in some of the best uh, and, and most competitive, you know, events, obviously NLF and NAL. Um, I know the, the primetime event this year was, was very strong. I mean, how, how important is that for you in your development to just kind of be playing the toughest teams all the time? I know Coach Daniela takes a lot of pride in that. So um, what's that like? What does that do for your development? It's very beneficial for development. Um, you're always going against the toughest competition, the biggest guys. And when people like kind of know about you and your name's been out there a little bit, 
you start getting bigger and better poles put on you. And it's, it makes it a little bit tougher, but you also learn different ways to like overcome that challenge and to be able to like make the defenses like rotate and have to slide. And then that opens up the rest of the offense. You talk about going up against some of the better poles in the country. Was there anybody that gave you a great battle um, at LSM or even, you know, playing close against you if you're, if you're bumping down to attack? I definitely had a great battle against Tyler I from Legacy Taz. Him and I were going at it for quite a lot of the game. Um, he's a great, he's a great bull. Uh, I've played with him before, but he's, he's a really nice guy. And he was probably one of my tougher challenges this year. So how about, how about, I know you transferred uh, this past year and, you know, you had a good sophomore year at St. Joe's. What was that like for you? Just kind of making the transition and, you know, um, I guess, you, you know, having to adjust on the fly to, uh, to a new role in a new team. It was actually very easy to adjust. Everyone at St. Joe's is very welcoming. Um, they're very tight knit, but I fit right in perfectly and everyone was happy to have me and we, we just, we just clicked and it made my transition process a lot easier as I came in, got accustomed to like the new team, the academics are great. So. And then just one more thing that I'm curious about, like what kind of, you know, your recruitment happened pretty quick, a couple of weeks, you know, what kind of advice are you going to give to your teammates, uh, you know, who are about to go through the, the whole process? I would definitely tell them to keep their options open, but uh, kind of just like find out as much as they can about each school before they like make a decision because you don't really want to rush your decision and then end up regretting it later on in life. What was your family, with your family's, you know, extensive history with the military, what was your family's reaction when you decided to commit to Navy? My entire family was super stoked for me. Um, my grandfather actually was crying a little bit because it really means a lot. Awesome. So it was, it was, it was amazing. And they've been pretty special. So, yeah, it was really nice. Well, thank you very much to Isaac Cruz for joining us on this week's uh, Insider Podcast. Really appreciate kind of the insight. And congratulations again, Isaac, and best of luck the rest of the way. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And we are thrilled to be joined by another five-star on this show, the number 15 player in the class of 2024, an LSM from Needham in Massachusetts and Laxachusetts. Jimmy Kenny. Jimmy, thanks for joining us. Pumped to be here. Uh, the name has been talked about a lot, so glad to finally make it on. Yeah, I think I think Flano's contractually obligated to mention you once every single show. So um, I'm just glad that we're able to fill our quota, but now we're able to to have you on, um, which is very exciting. So um, first thing I'm just kind of curious about is, you know, I, I know you got to you played pretty late into into the spring season. Um, what was that like? And, and how'd you kind of, you know, how'd you do personally? How'd you guys do as a team? And um, how'd that kind of affect, you know, what you were doing this summer? Yeah, so unreal run for Needham, kind of going deep, deepest into the playoffs for a while, making it to the lead eight. Um, going into this year for the spring, we had the mindset, like we have a state championship team, like we have the parts, like come on boys we got this um and then starting off 6-2 loss to LS kind of opened the eyes like all right like you, you don't just have the team you got to work for it and everything and then losing kind of some more of the key games to hang them BC high by one which was a great game both uh Kyle and I long poles scored um, and then make a deep playoff run all the way into the third round against St. John's Prep who was just an absolute wagon um we went all the way into second week of june 30 i don't even know um but yeah lost on tuesday 
came in club practice Thursday and started up the club scene right that weekend. Boom. No, no rest for the weary. No rest. But yeah, so great season. I mean, coming off the freshman season, I was really excited to get back into it. And I mean, I, I played a lot bigger of a role this year doing double pulls on the wing with, a, again, Pearsack coming in and uh, even doing some man up time, staying on the offense, but was really happy with how I played this spring. Just kind of starting to like, feel like right, I'm kind of top dog in the MIA and just I kind of earned my spot and I'm, I should be here going against the top guys. Yeah, and to follow that up, um, obviously Kyle Pearsack and you were like really good friends. I covered a bunch of games this year. I referred to you guys as the Bash Bros and then you know, just seeing you guys out at other games, whether you're watching Rowan Ticelli at Nobles, when you came up and saw me on the sidelines, you guys are just clear, pretty clearly like really close friends. What's it like having a guy like him? I know there's two years between you guys, but it's just, it's pretty clear that you play similar styles and you're obviously very good friends. So maybe just talk about what it's like to have Kyle as like a mentor for you. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, the friendship kind of began in COVID, uh, once kind of everyone got out of school, we kind of got a tight like group of kids that we still hung out together. Would go play lacrosse every night, go hit the wall, even late at night, lights on, we'd still be having fun outside and just like doing what we could to hang out. And uh, started there and then freshman year of hockey, he kind of took me under his wing. And um, just ever since then, we've literally been side by side all the time, working together, just hanging out. Um, so that, again, the freshman year, he just kind of took me under his wing. And sophomore year together, him being his last season, we kind of bounced everything off each other, showing each other new checks, knew this, knew that. And I mean, being together, the Bash Bros together 24-7 was always something special. And uh, we had a little bit too much fun with that nickname you gave us. Even though we lost, he came out back in the need and be like, the Bash Bros, like, let's go. So that was, it was, it was just huge to have like the mentorship from him, which kind of taught me how to be, I mean, I was a freshman and sophomore, so we, uh, underclassmen, but taught me like the leadership and what it takes to be out there and go, go be successful. Yeah. And it kind of felt like every time one of you had a big game, the next game, the other one of you guys would pop off. Like he had that one game where he scored three goals, two of them on the man up. And then the next game you like sent a kid's stick out to like a, two towns over. And then you had like, I think three cause turnovers and four ground balls just in like the first half. So, I mean, it just felt like you guys sort of fed off one another. I mean, definitely the energy, no matter what, like coming in a lot, a lot of funny pictures coming in on the bench. Sometimes we'd be in the box together, but um, just like, Hey, you go make a good play. Like, you know what? I got your back. I gotta do, gotta go do something better. And um, yeah, exactly. The energy of, Hey, you had a great game. Like it's time for me to go out and ball out. And when one of us was on, you could like feel the energy is, it was something else. Jim, a quick question for you. One thing I'm curious about, obviously you had, you know, a great, I guess, the past year or so and, and got on a lot of people's radars, got ranked by this you know, site as a, as a five-star. Like, how much, does that kind of bit of, bit of uh, put a bit of a target on your back and did it kind of affect, you know, how you played or just, you know, how you kind of went into games? Did you kind of think that, you know, guys were gunning for you a little bit? Uh, I mean, to be honest, the Wellesley game, I kind of got cheap shotted and sometimes I would have kids coming at me trying to chirp me but again as a hockey kid I always embraced it and um the five star was was also it was huge it was kind of a little confidence booster like all right you know what this, this is something like I, I should be up here I, I belong up here and honestly I tried to I didn't really try to let it affect me it was always in the back of my mind like oh come on like you had a bad game or like you gotta do better live up to your name but 
it was always more of like a off the field was was something to have and then on the field is all about go out play your best like the rank and the, the five stars really mean nothing it's like how are you gonna play this game how are you gonna go play like against this kid one guy I'm curious about because we talked about him a little bit and you know you, you told me I, I underranked him a little bit tell me about about what makes your teammate Finn Fox so special I mean he's one of the hardest working kids I know like he's always out there playing lacrosse him and I do a lot of shooting together but um he's just he's so sound even against the top top players the top tackmen like he's using his body just insanely well which is something that I've started to learn from him and then just throwing crazy checks well you got one of them for you in the Nike all-star games he was all disappointed that you didn't get it on camera I was like ah trust me I've had bad luck too but yeah he was absolutely incredible this spring and this summer going to see ISL games like that's my boy Finn just especially Seb's huge crowd huge uh huge uh huge stage huge like place for form he went out and had like nasty over the head against um jack rideout d twig and the other fogo like kind of same way like the bigger moments he was there and he he balls out when when it matters the most and to defend myself real quick you and finn fox usually like make absurd plays every game so i can't get them all for you jimmy i'm sorry i'm sorry my camera can't catch every single one of your five d twigs every game it's it's not always you it's the refs we, Ref, we, that, was, that was the worst of it all Every hockey game I'm scoring with Flano there, getting a hit. Every lacrosse game, he's like, dude, ref, ref walked in the way. Ref butt, man. That just, that just means he butt. wasn't paying attention and he and he's trying to tell you, he's trying to have a good excuse. I use that all the time when I'm taking stills. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. The focus didn't catch right. Sorry, it was all blurry. It just means we yep. didn't get it. Just throw the ref under the bus, man. It's the easiest excuse in the world. By the way, yeah, quick back to Finn Fox. I mean, similar to like the Bash Bro best friendship me and Kyle Piersek have. Uh, me, Finn Fox, another close defenseman, Chris Cabral, all joined Black Shoots in fifth grade, made black that year. And ever since then, me and Finn Fox kind of like day one boys, like always kind of next to each other, teaching each other checks, hanging out, went down to the Jersey Shore with him and some other Black Shoots kids. So another one of my tight friends that we learned a lot from each other. One thing I'm curious about is when I saw you at NLF, you said, I asked you how your first game went. You said, I played maybe the worst game of my life in front of a big time college coach um, that, you know, you seemed interested in that school. How tough is it for you when you have that game, you know, by your own admission, you didn't, you didn't play as well as you would have liked in, in front of, you know, a coach that you're interested in playing at, at his school. How tough is it to kind of compartmentalize that, put it behind you and, and focus on the next one? knowing that Massachusetts is one of the most heavily scouted teams in the country and, you know, usually leads the country in commitments. I think you're going to be fine, but it was obviously weighing on you a little bit. And I'm just kind of curious how you put that behind you. Yeah. So that was a tough game. Missed two over the heads. It's kind of beating myself up about that one, but just kind of put it in the past, Hey, overheads aren't working for me right now today. So put that check away, kind of started working on just playing simple D. I think that was also the eclipse game uh, later in that day. where like, First play, just had a little uh, like slap lift takeaway. Just kind of getting back to simple things, play good D, and then build off the good things. Because once I have like, if you have a bad game, kind of reset the brain and let yourself work up and get back to doing good. When you have an array of checks like like you have, I mean, is there is there one that you kind of try to rely on more than others? Is it the over the head? What do you take us through the playbook a little bit? Rusty gate, don't lie. Don't even try to say it's anything else. It's the rusty gate. 
I, I love the rusty gate. It's a little bit too much fun, but yeah, rusty gate over the head. Um, to be honest, always watching. I'm like, ah, oh, I gotta start throwing that a little more like one hand can openers. I want to get into uh, Foxy's back check that he gets just always trying to push and back check just kind of simple things. Like I'll throw anything. I'll throw the kitchen sink. I'll, uh, I'll even in the native game, throw a kayak against like last year's league MVP, but I'll, I'll throw anything, but just try and be like, what can I throw? It's more effective. And freshman year is always over the heads. And now I'm trying to get back into, all right, like how can I not sell out for the check? Like where can I stay effective, continue to play good D, but also try to cause as much turnovers as I, I do and continue to take the ball away. Yeah. And, and on that note, like what's the toughest part of being like a playmaking LSM like yourself? Like, like you're good in coverage, but you know, coverage is not your number one thing. You're, you're looking to cause havoc in the middle of the field. Like a lot of LSMs do these days. Like where, how do you kind of strike that balance, I guess, between playing good team defense and then like knowing when to strike and, and go for the over the heads or the kayaks or, or the rusty gates. Yeah. So that's definitely been the last two years of just, when can I, where should I throw the check is when, when I've been trying to focus on like teach myself more with definitely a lot of help from both Black Massachusetts and Needham coaching staff, like kind of ripping me when I miss a check. But um, it's definitely like a tough balance game situation, but sometimes I'm beating myself up like, oh, I didn't have that good of a game when, oh, maybe I didn't get scored on, but I didn't have three or four cause turnovers. And like, I'm kind of getting down on myself where it's like, hey, you know what? You still had a good game, but it's not always about taking the ball away 10 times. Sometimes you got to do your job and then taking the ball away is a little bonus for you. Part of the maturation, right? Not just yeah. going for every, every uh, highlight, highlight real check to that Plano gets it for you. Um, the other thing I'm kind of curious about is just, is there one guy that you really enjoyed covering this summer um, or, you know, one guy that you really kind of look forward to, to taking on that challenge? Yeah. So, I mean, I always have a, a fun battle with Hudson Houseman. That's always a good one. And then this spring, I got the uh, the pleasure of guarding the Krogan brothers at Lexington, which uh proud to say Patrick Krogan did not score against me. There you go. But uh, he, almost, he almost made me fall on a rusty gate. And he, he was laughing at me like, what, what are you throwing that on me for? But that was definitely one of the more fun games going against the Krogan brothers. Piersack and I just having a lot of fun and both of them being absolutely insane was a great challenge and a lot of fun to play against. Yeah. You mentioned Hudson Houseman, the great midi from Eclipse, a fellow five-star, like take me through some of the battles you've had with him. What makes him so tough to, to defend? Yeah. So, I mean, I've seen him at NLF, IMG, at, um, at top 120, and then just playing him. And for some reason we're always going toe to toe and he's got really good speed, got size. He's always got like, his shiftiness too, but I always have a lot of fun with the matchup. I feel like we always, it can be anyone's day whenever we're going against each other. And um, also like to still shout out Rusty Gate, add a little Rusty Gate detail on him. Um, how about, was there, was there an event that you really enjoyed playing in this summer? Any, anything in particular? Um, I had, I gotta say NLF was a good one. Top 120 I thought was unreal. Like, great stadium at Loyola. I've honestly never seen it and I was, awestruck at it and then all the coaches lined up down and up the sidelines and then you got all the other kids just sitting on the sideline watching so that was definitely one of my favorite events just kind of quick one day thing everyone's there it's like precise there's no one's overdoing it two games is perfect 
Um, and then Nike Nationals, where you just kind of create the super teams. Like Maryland was just nasty. Um, and then just all the teams. It was, it was a lot of fun playing with different kids, too. Thank you very much to Jimmy Kenny for joining us on the NLF Insider Podcast. Before we let you go, Jimmy, make your case to be the number one LSM in the next rankings. Tough case, but always fun to watch. Nothing better. Can, can de- you definitely get your you definitely get our entertainment value watching you. So that's always got to count for something. So thanks again, Jimmy. We appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the way. Good luck to, with your recruitment too. Thank you very much. Looking forward to the new rankings, Chandik. <laughs> number one. Thank you again to both Isaac Cruz and Jimmy Kenny for joining us on this week's NLF Insider Podcast. Uh, great to get you know some, some cool insight from Isaac on what kind of led him to uh, end up at the, the Naval Academy. Jimmy is going to be one of the most sought-after players, regardless of position, uh, once September 1 rolls around. So very excited to see where he ends up. Uh, we spoke to him offline about where he wants to go to school. So... If he ends up at any of those schools, we will be sure to release that audio to show that we had it first um, because we are big J journals. Exactly. Sorry, Jimmy. Got to do what we got to do. Secret recordings. Anyway, thank you to everybody for listening and uh, hope to see you guys soon. Keep eyeing me. Ride with the mob. Hum to Allah. Check you and me and do your job. Berg is the name. Then Baller did the chain. Turn on for the watch. Prezi plain Jane. Ride with the mob. Hum to Allah. Check you and me and do your job. Berg is the name.